Welcome to Season 2 of Fracktown Gumshoe, Holy Fits, based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill. Chapter 6 No, Fitz, I won't. The last time, if you remember, it ended badly. Fiona stood up to open the office's glass door. Come on, Fiona, just once. Nothing sounds more like the fits I knew than, my wife is out of town, let's have dinner. I never said my wife was out of town. How'd you know that? Your assistant told me. She shot me a sidelong glance and stuck her head out the door. Mary Margaret, we're ready for you. Fiona, you're taking it all wrong. We have a lot to catch up on. I want to hear about how you made it into the FBI. Fiona ignored me. If I'm remembering correctly, there will be a couple of drinks and a hand or two where it doesn't belong and promises that won't be kept. Hi, Mary Margaret. Come on in. Have a seat. I bit my lip and shut up. Yep, she hadn't forgot how badly we ended. I might not get a chance to apologize after all. Fiona already turned her back on me and was talking to Mary Margaret. We want to get out there to St. Matilda's early tomorrow morning, but I need to know a little bit about your grandmother. As Mary Margaret rattled on, I stared at Fiona. She did have a point. It did sound like I was a married man on the make. Nothing could be further from the truth, but I just felt like I should make up for all the wrong I'd done to her. I'd never been known for my smooth moves. And what happened to her in those intervening years between the day I last saw her and when she waltzed back in here? What was the story of her marriage? How ugly of a breakup was that? I would have hated to be in Mr. Rafferty's shoes when the shit hit the fan. Fitz, I'm talking to you. I shook my head to clear my thoughts. Sorry. I asked you what time you wanted to meet here in the morning. We have decided that I'll go as one of your associates, strictly to document the visit. We don't want Grammy or St. Giles to know who I am just yet. 6.30. That way we can go over things again and get to St. Matilda's by 7. I don't think they'll be expecting an early morning visit. Sounds good. Are we going to grab Grammy and pull her out of there? Mary Margaret asked, twisting her hands together in excited expectation. What do you think I am, some paramilitary goon? I said. We need to get more information before we can decide what to do. If she's completely lucid, we may have to let her stay, and your next solution will be with the courts. If she's not, then we'll have to decide how to proceed. Mary Margaret's shoulders sank, her hopes for a fucking dawn raid quashed. Good. If we walk in their guns a-blazing, with no idea what we face, innocent people, including your grandmother, could get injured or killed. Not to mention, we could be hurt or killed, Fiona explained gently. Should my mother come with us? Mary Margaret asked. You said she doesn't have the best relationship with your Grammy, correct? Fiona asked. Mary Margaret shook her head. Not really. Grammy thinks mommy's after her money. It might make the situation a little touchier if we show up there with your mother. Your grandmother might refuse outright to come back with us. That could complicate everything. I rolled my eyes. I hate to break up this lesson in Police Work 101, but we need to get moving. I have a sleaze bag to trail tonight, and I'm hungry. In between O'Malley's death, St. Giles, and Alicia's fraud case, I'd managed to return one of yesterday's calls from a divorce lawyer. If I was being forced to save Grammy O'Connor for free, I needed to make sure there would be money coming in to keep the lights on. The lawyer needed me to tail a local female bank manager suspected of infidelity and get some video of her with her lover. According to the husband, who was teetering on the edge of filing for divorce, she was supposed to be meeting him tonight at Horvath's, the Hungarian coffee shop a couple blocks away. All he needed was proof, and her demands for an outrageous spousal support would fly out the window. I figured I could grab some fontanieros, a cholesterol-spiking Hungarian specialty platter, piled high with five kinds of meat. 
grilled slices of veal, beef, pork cutlets, a slice of goose sliver, bacon, and served with some fried potatoes and salad. I would also bring my own side order of serpituous video. I probably wouldn't eat the salad. After a sweet kefli for dessert, I'd return to the office, email the video to the lawyer, and send another marriage down the shitter, all before 7 o'clock in my anticipated phone call with Gracie, who would chide me on the lack of green vegetables in my diet. Yeah, my life was getting predictable. Horribly predictable. You always did have a way with words, Fitz, Fiona said, picking up her purse. Her jacket fell open, exposing her surface weapon. Mary Margaret's eyes widened. Are you going to bring that tomorrow? She asked, pointing. Fiona patted it and smiled. You and Abbot Benedict St. Giles will never know if I do or not. I followed the two women out the door and flipped the sign on the door to close before locking it. We watched as Mary Margaret slipped into her dying primer gray Toyota and pulled into traffic. Sure I can't take you to dinner, I asked. The sad look returned to Fiona's face. No, Fitz. No, you can't. I shrugged. Okay, maybe another time. Fiona shook her head. No, Fitz. Not ever. Not ever? She stopped and thought for a moment. No, I can't say not ever. Just not yet. I watched her walk the three blocks back to the hotel before opening up the excursion parked at the curb and fishing one of my favorite surveillance devices out of the gym bag I always carried in the back of my SUV. I didn't have a lot of use for spy tools. A lot of the PIs that use them look foolish. But this sweet honey of a toy was my favorite. It looked like a plastic lid for any styrofoam coffee cup, but it actually was a small video camera. I found it, like a lot of the other stuff from my job online. It was black, making the on-off button and the slot for the SD card hard to see, but it made my life so easy. Most folks wouldn't think twice about talking freely while a short mick with graying hair sat at a table beside them with a cup of coffee. At Horvas, a couple blocks away from the jail where I hoped to see St. Giles confined soon, I ordered my dinner along with a cup of coffee and a to-go cup and settled into a table in the center of the restaurant. Surreptitiously, I snapped the coffee leg camera on the cup. Within a few minutes, a woman in a bright blue tennis skirt and visor came in and took a seat against the exposed brick wall, leaning her racket against the table leg. I checked the photo of my subject on my phone email account. Nope, it wasn't her. The wandering wife was shorter and a redhead. This woman was obviously some suburban bleach blonde mom, stopping for coffee and a piece of pie after her tennis lesson, but before picking up the little rugrats at soccer. I returned to my mile-high plate of meat. A few more customers came and went, ringing the bell at the top of the door as they entered and exited, but no one matching my subject's description. I was almost forced to start eating my salad when she finally came in. I tapped the record button on the top of my cup lid camera and held it up as if I were contemplating taking a drink, trying to get a good shot. My subject ordered an iced tea and a slice of cheesecake and carried them to the table where Tennis Mom sat. She was tense looking around at who might be in the restaurant. Tennis mom reached over and took her hand, squeezing it firmly. I tried to look casual as I ate, all the while listening intently. Does Tony know you're here? Tony was the name of the husband who would get my bill. No, you know how he is. I have just a few minutes between the time the bank closes and when he expects me home. I can't live like this anymore. I can't. Nobody's asking you to, honey. Tennis mom's voice dropped just above a whisper. We've got it all figured out. He's told me he'd have me followed. He thinks I'm sleeping with somebody at work. The bruises don't look so bad as they did the other day. 
God knows I had to apply my foundation with a trowel to cover them up. I can't have my boss figuring out what's going on at home. My stomach sank. This time, I wasn't serving up justice for a wrong spouse. I was tailing one. Tony apparently was a fucking wife beater, and I'd been drawn into this mess by taking the case. Shit. Listen to me. It's gonna be okay. I've got your tickets. The plane leaves out of Cleveland tonight. As my coupling camera recorded their movements, Tennis Mom pulled out an envelope and a car key from her pocket and handed it to the bank manager. Here's the keys to a rental car. It's the little yellow Chevy at the curve. Just leave it at the airport. I've already paid for it. When you get settled in Tucson, you can send me a check. But right now, sis, I just want you to be safe. The bank manager pressed her napkin against her mouth to keep from crying out loud. Thank you, she squeaked through tears. There's $2,000 there, too, Tennis Mom continued. You don't want to be traced by using your credit card. That should get you through for a little bit until you can get on your feet. I just can't take it anymore. I can't. Just call me when you land, okay? Then dump your cell phone in the trash. Get one of those prepaid phones with that money. The bank manager nodded, stuffed the envelope in her purse, and hurried out the door. Tennis Mom stood up and looked around, then grabbed her racket and left. I clicked the coffee cup camera off and leaned back in my chair, pondering what I'd just heard. I went back up to the glass display case and got myself a kefi and another cup of coffee. This one in a real china cup. In a few minutes, I was done with both and the case. I called the lawyer at home. Hi, it's me, Fitz. Fitz, you investigations? I've been here at Horvas for a couple hours now. Uh, she never showed up. Yep, nada. I'd stay later, but they need to close. Um, some family emergency or something. I'll drop you a bill in the morning. The waitress behind the counter had a half smile on her face. I've been watching you, she said as she took my cash. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I know what you did right there. She looked me up and down suggestively and smiled. I also heard what those two women said. I raised an eyebrow. You did? Yeah, I did. You know, our security camera hasn't worked real well in weeks. In fact, I'm thinking everything from today just disappeared. I have no idea if she was here or not. She shrugged her shoulders in mock amazement. Thanks. She laid my change in my hand, her fingers lingering a little longer than necessary. I smiled and handed her a 20 for a tip. As I walked out the door, I felt a bit of a swagger in my step. Yep, the old Fitz is back. If you would like to support Fracktown Gumshoe, go to https colon backslash backslash patron.podbean.com backslash Fracktown Gumshoe. This episode is narrated by Casey Martin. Fracktown Gumshoe is based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill.